So what they discipline and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. Um, today is going to be a really long one because actually, as of yesterday, I got together with a buddy of mine and uh, he's starting his own podcast and he's calling it, I believe, Candid Camera and or we were thinking Candid Camera or Candid they're, they're, they're basically the concept are candid conversations, just a bunch of, uh, like having a bunch of people just basically talking about anything and everything that we align with, that we don't align with changing our opinions. Um, and just kind of shooting the crap, you know, uh, the, the chemistry that Zach and I have, uh, is amazing. He's a really great guy. It's so interesting to be able to talk to him because he is Mormon and, I have my own view of Mormonism, having been embedded in that religion for quite a while when I was finishing up school in Utah. So, you know, I had that 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 view of it, seeing what Mormonism was like back in Utah, being immersed in it, being kind of the minority amongst the majority, and kind of feeling, you know, kind of a part of the problem. We get into that kind of stuff. We talk about Mormonism. We talk about faith. We talk about, you know, uh, we veer into more anthropological things uh, you know, aside from those religions. And then we get into like, you know, Buddhism and, you know, uh, Hinduism and my, my religion or, um, you know, me being raised in Catholicism and and all that kind of stuff. We talk about guns right now. We talk about, uh, how he's moving up to Canada here real soon. And for those of my students that actually listen to my podcast, um, that are prior, uh, monument middle schoolers of mine, um, you guys probably had Mr. Ricks for a hot second. He's doing a lot better. He's no longer dealing so much so, so with all of his um, his gut-related issues and or, you know, the fact that he was having to be in and out this past semester. He w- he just wasn't feeling well. And so, um, so yeah, you know, we, um, we've been uh, just kind of getting together and having great conversations. And now... Zach wants to make it into a podcast, and I told him that what I would do is I would help plug his podcast through my podcast. Although you know, I don't really know how much my audience really, how many, how many people actually are listening to this. But if you're curious, if you want to hear more of a conversation, we just kind of got together. There's a little bit of background noise here and there. Um, we were we're in a public space. We were in a coffee shop, but um, but yeah, it was a really great time. What else did we talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, we start talking about guns and then we talk about um, religion and we talk about faith. We talk about um, values, ethics, principles, morals. We talk a lot about the Mormon faith. We talk about the, the cherry picking of the Mormon faith and of other faiths, you know, that choose to kind of cherry pick their own doctrine and their teachings rather than, uh, you know, just kind of touting, the word of love as being the end all be all, but you know, I'm kind of ramble bambling. If you guys are curious, Zach is calling this podcast over on his um, podcast. Once he releases it, I will start plugging that and sending or, or showing the, the, the link in the show notes. Uh, I believe that the title of this episode that he uh, is working on here is called heart on my sleeve. Um, and I believe the podcast will be called Candid Camera if um, 
if all, all is said and done and that's okay and nobody's taken that name already. But with that being said, um, it'll be a little bit of a different uh, audio quality than you're hearing right now. Um, I also realized in my last one with Wordsworth, William Wordsworth, that very beginning intro was very like tinny. And um, I'm not sure what happened because then it sounded great when I read the poem, but before that it was a little weird. So I don't know. I was having some technical difficulties. So here we are, such as life, such as things, but life is a process. And, and one thing that I remember that I, I, I truly believe we talked about courage a lot as well, is that, um, the overarching thing that I, I remember, I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe we could call it like the, the dichotomy of faith and fear. Because what I love about it that we talked about is how, you know, you can't have fear if you have faith and you can't have faith if you have fear. You know, they just, they don't go hand in hand, right? It was like when I was talking about Atalanta, it's the concept of gumption and courage and bravery isn't the fact that you just negate and you just don't even think about the fact that you're afraid. It's that you embrace the fear, but you still face that fear in spite of being afraid. So that's what it is. It's about facing your fears. It's about facing and owning up and moving forward and all that good stuff because we're all growing up in this world if we allow ourselves to do so. So with that being said, let's go on into it. This will be about a probably two hour long podcast. If you guys are curious, if you guys want to give this a shot, please. Um, There's some, some good nuggets in here. And I would appreciate the support. That should be connected and everything. <clears throat> but yeah, so I bought the gun in Idaho. Okay. And I had to get an Idaho driver's license in order to purchase the firearm, which I did. My, my Colorado license was going to expire later that year anyway. I went in a couple months early, got my Idaho license, driver's license. And then the next weekend went in and bought a gun and I was looking for either 10 millimeter or 9 millimeter. And the reason I wanted to get one was just because both wife and I felt like maybe that'd be nice to have something like that. I'm not gonna lie, I, mean, I feel the same. Yeah. I've never considered having a gun before in my life. And I'm like, dude, like I <laughs> feel like it's important now with everybody and how like how up in arms people are just like in mm-hmm. general. And this this was right around the time when there were those like really violent riots in like Seattle and yeah. Portland and stuff, you know? And like how there was I don't know if it was Antifa or what group it was, but they had all these really, you know, all the looting that was happening Dude. across the country and everything. Yeah. I think that like because I was out in Portland in, you know, twenty twenty, like I moved out there and I was there from July of 2020 all the way until um, June of 2021 and like I remember well that was the time when like I had no idea because you know Antifa is really big out there but also um, anything uh, or like the population and demographic outside of Portland is all like honky like white redneck type of people so like I remember one time me and my my ex at the time, we had come back from rafting. I forget where it was, We, but we were coming back in and there's a big major bridge. I forget all the streets at this point, but 
we were coming back into Portland and it was basically like this social like like thing where they were like meeting you know Antifa and all like you know Black Lives Matter and all that stuff was basically like meeting all these other people that were they were you know uh, flying their like their Trump flags and all oh, of yeah. them were in their their jeeps and their yeah. whatever and it was like these caravans of people and it was so interesting to see just like it was like this class war going on like huh. it, it, you know it, it's like yeah. it's it's kind of interesting to think about but we've been like in this like this social civil war for however long now it's just like but and like i'm i'm not a gun person at all like my my dad like my dad's a big hunter my brother's a big my brother's a big gun person but like mm -hmm. i guess for me i've never really thought that i wanted to or ever needed to have a gun and yeah that uh, but like i guess like this is the first time in my life where i feel like I don't feel safe just with my own two fists. I don't sure. know, but like, yeah. but it, you know, it, that's the thing is like how how powerful that weapon is, right? You oh know, yeah. How how powerful something that you can hold in your hand and you can take the life of an individual. I think that people don't really think about it in depth and critically as like really like. You know, like, that's why I'm considering it is because, like, hey, you know what? If somebody, if I were to square up with somebody and they were to be all livid or whatever, they had a gun, I'd be dead. But yeah. that, that would give me a little bit of a fighting chance if I had a gun that I could, <laughs> I could square up and be like, no, 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 no. Let's go. Quick draw. But, yeah, anyways, I interrupted. I apologize. No, 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 you're fine. You're fine. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I've... Growing up, I always figured, okay, maybe I would like to own a gun or two, you know, I grew up hearing stories of my dad going hunting with my grandpa, you know, and I was like, man, I would love to just go hunting once, you know, on my bucket list, and so obviously, you know, hunting guns and things like that, right? Right. And, you know, guns are cool. I'm a, you know, as a young boy, it's like, guns are cool. Yeah, dude, blowing stuff up is good. <laughs> good time. Oh, yeah. As an adult, though, like, it, w it was a very, for us, it was a very careful decision because... You know, like, yeah, I wanted a gun anyway, but that stuff started going down. Like, clearly, the world at large is getting more and more unstable, you know? Honestly. Where there's more people, there's more trouble. Now, granted, we lived in Rexburg, Idaho at the time, which is, like, a bubble. Okay, it's, it it's is. super safe. I didn't like Rexburg when we first moved there. Like, when, when I first started going to school there, it was, it felt very podunk to me. It was middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a church school, and they have all the fixings for that. But like, it's like there's nothing. It's just middle of nowhere. The one cool thing was that you know my great 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 uncle founded the town. Oh, uh, very Thomas, interesting. Thomas E. Ricks. So like, there was that element of it. I didn't show up to Rexburg, you know, thinking like, oh, everyone's I'm going to be a celebrity. I don't know. Far from it. I uh, didn't really, you know. That was the last thing I wanted was people to be like. Oh, like you know, you're like related to this guy, and yeah, you know, that was my big fear. It's kind of silly to think of it now because you know, how much do I have to think of myself to be afraid that people are going to think I'm famous if I go to the town? Yeah, where my family member, you know, founded it. When in fact, there are actually a lot of Ricks out there anyway. <laughs> ah. um, and I don't know any of them. So like, <laughs> so like people ask me like, oh, do you know this person? Even here in Colorado, actually, there's, there's a few other Ricks apparently. Um, my dad's family, you know, his immediate family is here in Colorado for the most part. 
and his extended family is all in Utah. Uh, beyond that, yeah, there's Ricks, but I don't know him. Yeah. Um, so it's Rexburg. It's a very safe town, right? Pretty bubbly, as as in it's in a bubble. Yeah. Um, so we weren't afraid of like you know being in Rexburg. We would we wouldn't lock our car doors yeah. often. When we lived on the uh, third floor apartment, our first apartment was the third floor. We wouldn't lock our door the apartment. That's how it was in, when I was living in Logan. Like nobody yeah. locked their doors oh, or yeah. anything like that. It's like super chill. No, it's super it's like chill. Like Alaska or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we moved to the first floor. We locked our door a lot more then. And we had kids, so you know it was right. We got our first kids, so we locked but more. But it's a very safe place, um, except for you know that recent true crime with that couple who murdered their kids. Uh, my wife's been following that story. That happened. We lived right across the street. No, what? from from the, where those people lived. What? That happened. Yeah. <laughs> and but here's the thing: even like the like the crime of the century, right? The true crime story of the day, and yet Rexburg is still a very safe place generally. Like yeah. Those kids, they were killed by people they knew. It was their parents, stepdad, whoever it was, right? Right. I don't, I don't remember the details right now. It's people you know that you have to be worried about the most in yeah. places like Rexburg. I agree. If something's going to happen, they know you somehow. Right. It's usually not strangers doing things. So we generally felt safe anyway. Okay. But, you know, looking at, we, you know, I was a couple years away from graduating, uh, a little under that. And we're like, we're gonna, we don't know where we're going to move. I, I was going to school for teaching. And, you know, as far as I knew, I was going to try to get a teaching job in Colorado. But it was like, you know, I might get a teaching job somewhere else okay. if the opportunity arises. Where we end up, we don't know. Even here in Colorado Springs, we've been back. So I grew up here. The place has grown. And there's definitely places around that are, you know, crime rates are different all over the city. Yeah. Depending where you are, right? And being a new dad, you know, for me, it was like, hey, how can I protect my family? I'm not the buffest dude you know, <laughs> at all. Yeah. I'm pretty scrappy. And yeah, I want to start working out and stuff. Um, but it was kind of like, man, like, you know, even if I could beat someone up, if they have, like you said, if they have a gun too, like, yeah, I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, well, dude. either, either you know, hand, I get shot or do what they want. And I don't want to do what they want. Yeah, dude. You know? So it was a very, it was a, it was a process for, I started talking to my wife about it, you know, it took a couple of weeks of talking and being religious, we also you know, kind of prayed about it. We believe, you know, whatever that helped us to kind of make a decision. And we both felt that, yeah, we, it, there might be a time in coming days when it might be necessary for us to have a firearm yeah. in defense of our lives. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't like, it, was, it wasn't anything like, oh, we're like worried we're going to get home invaded, you know, we're not, we're doing it mugged in the street or whatever. It's just like the way things are going, you know, it's like, it's hard to know. And when you don't know where you're going to end up at that point in time, we're like, hey, we could be anywhere um, in a town we don't know. Right. And that's pretty scary. It is. So we ultimately made it, okay, let's, let's get one. And it went in nine millimeter. I was looking around. I was pretty excited because I was getting the gun. Yeah, dude. And I wanted one anyway. Honestly, yeah. The, the little kid in me <laughs> still cool. comes yeah. out oh, yeah. where mm -hmm. I think about, like, like I remember the, like, there's something innate in little boys. I don't understand why, but it was, like, the first time I played Fallout 3. As mm. It was my first M game I ever played. And I remember, like, being given the, the concept of bats, and I could target a body part, and I was like, 
dude, I'm going for the head. I want the explode. I want exploding. I want all the guts. And uh-huh. oh, I don't know why. I think it's because we. It's like we're so curious, but it's also like a curiosity that we can entertain in a safe way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Um. But yeah, I remember like you know that that's one of those things. And hey, I just want to mention real quickly. Mine has a little blue thing going, but yours doesn't have a blue button going on. Oh, now it does. Oh, it's just when it it gets moved or jostled or something. Okay. Like that. Okay. Yeah, it should be was, on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still recording. All right, cool. Talking, so. uh, no, just because like <laughs> I've been sabotaged by my lapel on TikTok oh, yeah. before, where I'm like, it happens. It happens. Destroy you. Definitely. But no. Um, thanks for pointing it out. <laughs> but no, I think it's fine. And actually, funny, I checked to make sure I was wondering. It came with the charging cord. Yeah. And a couple hours before I was supposed to come here, I'm like, wait, do I have to charge it? <laughs> That's when I tested it and found out, oh no, they come pre-charged and I have to charge them after this, but I think we're good for now. Rock on. So, you know, I was looking, and so I was looking and I wanted a 10 millimeter. Because like, so at the time, I worked on campus for the uh, public safety department. Oh. I specifically worked in the parking office. Three of the guys who would give parking tickets to people Yo, Logan, Utah, yeah. I could, I got so many parking tickets because <laughs> you guys are looking for it to give them. It's, Is it true? Like, it's no, okay, like okay. I, so we didn't have a quota. Okay. No, we didn't have a quota. And the only reason we wrote tickets was because it's a private, because campus was considered private property. Yeah. Um, I got so many $25 and tickets. And <laughs> we were trained to, like, if it was like they didn't have a permit displayed at all. Yeah. Or displayed improperly, then we would actually improperly we would give warnings every time, like two warnings and then a ticket. If our supervisor was having a bad day, one warning. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, like here's the thing too: we were like super generous about um, appeals. I think if every single time the ticket officer made a genuine mistake, we fixed it yeah. to the person, no matter how rude they were. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, there was there were a couple where the person was rude enough that even though they technically were within their rights to, have a, to get a, an appeal, because of the way they treated us at the counter, our supervisor was like, look, like, we're not going to stand for yeah. this kind of abuse. So no, you don't get, you're going to have to pay it up. Definitely attract that, more that was, flies that was, honey. That, was, that, was, that happened twice in my time. I worked there for about uh, almost four, no, almost three and a half years. Okay. Right? Um, and that was like only twice that was the case where, yes, they technically should receive a refund for an appeal, but they were being rude enough that we said no. Yeah. Um, no, yeah anyway, so I worked, work I, worked in, I worked in public safety, and so my, my supervisor carried... Um, the arm, arm, arm security obviously carried, you know, 10 millimeter, right? That's like the standard for law enforcement as yeah. far as I'm aware. So I'll go in looking for 10 millimeter, but I also heard things about 9 millimeter. And so I'm looking at the handguns they got um, in the store there, and I'm asking questions like, okay, like, you know, what's the difference really between 10 and 9? Yeah. Like, not too much. Depends what you want it for. And said, hey, if I just want something just for like defense, home defense kind of situation, so, you know, nine millimeter is all this fine. Yeah. Like, obviously, you won't be taking that thing up to the mountains to fend off bears <laughs> by any means. But if it's just for your home, it's for, you know, your self-defense, nine millimeter is more than enough. Yeah. 
Um, and they're less expensive too. So right. I was like, great. I was looking, and like there's, I saw a few that I liked, but one caught my eye. It was a little bit smaller than the other nine mils. Um, and I looked at it and just, because I was thinking with the mindset of, oh, I want to be able to conceal it too when I eventually get my carry permit, which I never got, by the way. <laughs> uh, I, have, I still have that. Um, but I'm like, I want to, right? So I saw this, and it was like the perfect size. Like, it had two mags. Its standard was 11 rounds. And with that one, my pinky could just barely hang on to it. But the extended mag, the 13 rounds, was like perfect in my hand. All right. That extended mag is also illegal in California, which is on the packaging, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, also illegal in Canada, where I'm going, anyway, because it's a handgun. Yeah, for a civilian stone. But so interesting, though. Um, so I bought it. I was really happy with it, and went out and shot it a couple, like once. Yeah. Went out. We had it. There was a went out with a bunch of other guys, and actually in Rexburg, if you go out to the lava fields, there are hills that form natural shooting ranges, and everybody goes out there to shoot uh, like that explosive stuff that. Hot Unite, yeah, whatever it is, they shoot yeah, that. Yeah, I know exactly. They'll, what shoot, you're their, talking they'll about. shoot their 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 skeets with their shotguns and everything. So we had a bunch of us. We went out and just did some shooting. And I shot this thing off, and yeah, it was real nice. But you know, it's I had it in a safe, you know, because like okay, that's where it is. My wife had a safe growing up. Um, she got the safe to keep her sister from getting into her things. But when we got married, it was perfect for the gun when we got it. Yeah, but I kept it in there, and then it didn't have a use for it. Ended up moving up my parents here in Colorado. Now we're going to Canada. Right. Where handguns are not permitted for civilians. So I sold it. So uh, are like Canadian laws kind of like UK laws where it's like civilians not allowed to have guns. Um, do cops have guns? So yeah, any security personnel have handguns. Okay. Canadian civilians can have hunting guns. Shotguns, hunting rifles, that makes sense. bows, crossbows. So like my grand, uh, my wife's grandpa I think that that's and totally all her uncles fine. Yeah. have shotguns and hunting rifles. Oh and, yeah, that's my and dad. I wanted um, <laughs> I wanted a shotgun. I want a shotgun also. Yeah, I wanted to get as my second gun. Now it's yeah, second gun technically, but not only gun. When I do get a shotgun, and they're pretty easy to get up in Alberta where everybody hunts. Yeah, like it's the thing people do. And also, you know, because we are terrain. moving, because we're moving up there where my wife's mom lives, little village of Glenwood, home of. 230 people who all know each other. Oh, wow. It's, it's a little Mormon community, right? Like, so there's the one church building. The ward is the town. Wow. Not everyone in the town is, member, is a member. Um, and there are a few members, several members of the town council who aren't members of the church. But it is it is a little Mormon little community. community. Yeah. Um, uh, it was, a, they have a cheese factory. That's how the town was founded. Yeah, um, they got a lot of because like that's what, like out in Logan, like Cash Valley Creamery and all that stuff. Like that was big. That's also why we had a lot of inversion and a lot of like bad air quality because it got all socked into that area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I always found like it was kind of funny that there would be like these local things just embedded. And the factory closed decades ago, hmm. but it's, they have they have a creamery, an ice cream parlor. My wife's mom owns a cafe, as for years. Um, but you know, the idea of safety isn't really on our minds because we're going to a place that we feel is very safe. Like, right. And it really is. It's like it's it's pretty close to um, a reservation. Um, 
for the most part, like they get people get along. Like it's the up there is the Blood Indian tribe, uh, or just Blood tribe. I think is what blood they tribe. call themselves. Um, but to drive to the, the 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 nearest big town that most people know is Calgary. Okay. And to get to Calgary from Glenwood, you pass through the reservation. My wife's grandfather actually taught school on the reservation. He taught English oh. up there for a while, long time. He also taught in a uh, Hutterite colony before that, I think. Or I don't know what the timeline is, but he, he taught on the res a little bit. He taught for the Hutterites a little bit. Um, and then I don't know if he ever taught in other public schools. But yeah, so like there, there's, there's a reservation pretty close by. Um, it's very live and let live up there. There's not a lot of it's pretty chill, really chill area. Like a like growing up, I guess occasionally, the res if they if 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 counties if the county was doing some weird law thing, they would block off certain roads and protest. That's like it. That's like what they do. That's I see. That's you know, and that has happened for years. And like, yeah, like you grew up and like my wife went to middle school with a ton of res kids. Um, really? Like she, like white kids were, there were less white kids than there were uh, natives at her middle school. Hey. Um, and hey. so she found herself being the minority. Yeah. Even though they are a marginalized group of people. Yeah. Right. Which is so interesting. Like you right. go to these smaller places and like the dynamic just shifts. Right. Yeah. So you know she was you know she, she had some you know there was some social stuff. The kids are kids, right? And you know. Uh, like, so she would often get, not necessarily picked on, but like, because she was a white girl, she wasn't yeah. really accepted by a lot of other kids. She had a lot of friends. I was called school. white boy a lot in, yeah. uh, in, in school because I, I was around a lot of Hispanic kids. Mm, and that was the, yeah, yeah. the majority mm -hmm. for me. So. so like, you know, yes, we have these marginalized group of people, but you go into any given community and the dynamic might be different. Yeah. And right. so, you know, I think as a whole... You know, whites have like on the grand on the, on the grand scale of things, white people around the world, around the U.S. in particular, are generally the majority. Yeah. And so, yeah, so there's 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 those issues, there's those social issues in place. But when you look at individual communities, that could be different. So there are white people who have experienced marginalization yeah. in their personal lives. Sure. And, you know, and it's just interesting that it happens. Yeah, you know? no. It's kind of like, kind of like how I think about um, when we were talking about, like, when I lived in Logan, Utah, you know, I mean, I, I really, like, because I was not Mormon, I really did feel a part of the problem. And they kind of do mm -hmm. single you out like that. Like, I, I think that that's when, because people immediately knew that I wasn't from Logan yeah. when I first moved there. Um and I didn't really know why. And then I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, oh, it's probably because I had my ears pierced. And, and so then, like, after a while, I kind of just relinquished and let it go and stuff like that. But, like, I remember there were two instances where cops pulled me over in the middle of the day. It was like 2 o'clock. I had a New Mexico license plate. Um, and wow. I remember, remember it, was, it was always so interesting because... Um, they would be like, hey, you're, you're driving a little recklessly. Um, have you had anything to drink? And I'm like, um, 
it's two o'clock in the afternoon and uh, you you realize that Logan, Utah has like two bars and one <laughs> state nowhere to buy drinks. shop. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you know, um, you, you were driving the speed limit, but we're seeing some uh, reckless behavior. Uh, uh, do you have anything uh, in the... And so they start to probe wow. me and then I, I try to, you know, just do my rights and be like, you know, sure. like, you have a zero prob probable cause. And so then they would detain uh. me throw me into the cop car really? until I allowed them to search my car. It happened twice. Oh they searched gosh. my car both times, found nothing, and then they let me go. And that's when I realized, like, I really need to watch my back here. Holy crap. Because I had a lot of friends. I, at the time, I was 22, 21, 22. Okay. So yeah. I was of the legal limit. Yeah. But all of my friends that were just, like, maybe 20, Yeah. Um. I knew so many people that had MIPs. Like, I knew at least 20 to 30 people just in passing that were going through pro probation for having an MIP. And I didn't know what an MIP was, but a minor in possession, aka right. alcohol. Yep. So that's what the cops would do a lot in Logan, okay. Utah, because there isn't a lot of crime. Right. But what they try and do is they try and, hey, you know what? You're not going to bring that whole hedonistic BS into our community. That's all, yeah. that's Satanistic kind of stuff yeah. or whatever, you know, they thought. Yeah. Um, and so then like they would slap MIPs. I knew so many kids going through, uh, probation. Um, and, wow. uh, they would go through, they talked to me about uh, a moral recognition therapy that they would have to also. Oh gosh, really? Yeah. Um, sure, this is like an archaic crap, man. No, no. Like Dude. it was a moral recognition therapy, MRT program that they would do. Um, and it was like a 12 step thing, but okay. Yeah. I, uh, but, and so they would have to work through each step yeah. essentially. Um, and this was a part of their probation while also they would have to volunteer hours. They had to, like, it would disrupt a lot of these students' lives. And I saw it firsthand. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know what? I'm of the legal age, but I'm not really drinking much anyways as yeah. is. So, yeah. like, uh, I really, like, I remember, you know, being the min minority as you know a cisgender white male you know with yeah. the plenty of privilege that i very much do have for sure <laughs> yeah but like exactly like there's an aspect of like oh i don't align in this culture i have not assimilated into the, into the culture that they want me to do yep and the way that they want me to do it so uh i'm a part of the problem and they're going to try and shape me oh yeah and I remember that. I remember wow. very, very deliberately where, and the cops were just like unreasonable, man. Like, yeah. I remember, like, I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, come on. Like, you really want thing. to search my car and yeah. you think I'm drunk or high or what? Here's the thing. Very good chance. I mean, definitely one of those guys, member of the church. Really good chance. Most of those guys, members of the church. And, and we're talking about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I, you know, I being an active member of that church, I didn't grow up in Utah. I actually grew up, I was in Virginia when I was in elementary school, and then came out to Colorado Springs when I was 11, and was here, and have been here, you know, was here until I went to school uh, and stuff. And even within the church, there's this understanding that Utah Mormons are different from all the other Mormons across the country. That's interesting. And that Utah Mormons are generally more insufferable 
in their culture yeah and what they have created around their religion right because here's the thing we I think I think it's, I could be wrong about this I think we have more members just like numbers in South America than we do in North America <laughs> and it's one of the fastest and, growing religions and a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that like missions in South America are notorious for what they call like, baptism parties like they'll just go find some people and be like hey you want to get baptized and a lot of these people are like sure why not and so they'll just baptize like 100 people in like two weeks and then none of them will come to church after that and so i don't know but how you can put that, that into yeah. the books though right? yeah exactly and, and if, you're, if, if you're a numbers-based church leader it looks great but like the, at least for a while, especially, you know, 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the retention was horrible. Yeah. Only people who actually wanted to be part of the church were, which is, which is the way it should be. Sure. But they have records of hundreds of people who were baptized members of the church who are now on the record as inactive, which, you know, that's bad for numbers. Exactly. In the same way. So, like, it created a whole problem. I don't know what the situation is like that, like, down there currently. I do know that a lot of the saints down there, like, there are, um, if you watch BYU TV, they often will, like, they'll visit other places, and they'll, some, some TV shows, some specials will, like, um, have, like, they'll talk to people in these different countries around the world who are members of the church. Sometimes it's just, like, a simple interview with the family, and a lot of people down there, and I think this, this could be generally just South American culture, uh, are very devout members the church yeah but you know what's interesting what's interesting about it is like you look at that and you look at you know the church in africa the church in australia the church in europe is different than the church in america because it's different people with different cultural backgrounds right and so like even within the united states utah is like a micro culture within mormonism yeah and yet because it's the hub of mormonism where our hq is at it Utah Mormon is the standard Mormon. I see. And which is problematic. As as, as you talk, like there, there's there's there, there's a there's a there's definitely um, for a very long time and still prevalent today, there is an exclusivity culture there that if you don't fit, you're right. Yeah. Then you don't. Then we're gonna you know. You're gonna experience what you experience, yeah, or things like it. Yeah, even people who are born members and leave later become victims of that mindset. Yeah, and sure. it's sorry, and it's like it's really not great. And um, all I can say is that I'm glad I didn't grow up in that culture because I need to be radicalized against the church now, right? Or I'd be a cookie cutter. And you know, that's the very funny thing that you mentioned that because. Out of all my friends, you know, the the ones that were ex-Mormons, they were no longer Mormon. But I did have some Mormon friends. The funny thing about it, the, my close Mormon friends were Mormon, but they had grown up elsewhere. Yeah. They had not grown up in Utah. And what I had realized is that, you know, people that grow up elsewhere as uh, Mormon, they understand that they're kind of the minority and they have to assimilate into our society. Whereas when in Utah, if you're embedded and you are 
perpetuating that culture through all the communities that you're embedded in and surrounded by. You know, the one thing that I saw big time, crazy vanity, man. Like, oh, yeah. I, like I've never oh, yeah. seen, like, if I ever saw a picture and it was completely airbrushed into the nines and everything like that, I knew that that was a Mormon person. Like, I knew all their pictures were, like, they looked pristine. It was, like, out of a Jostin's, like, you know, yearbook oh, yeah. uh, preview, whatever, mm -hmm. commercial, you know. And then, on the other hand, what I also thought was very interesting is that I'd never seen so many morbidly obese people that just mm. were, like, yeah, like, you know, like, I remember, like, it was the first time I'd ever been in a grocery store where people were just morbidly obese, wheeling themselves. And, of course, like, the, ma the main grocery stores in Logan were, um, God, there were Walmarts, man. There was a Walmart. The, the only place that I could get away from Walmart was uh, there was one natural grocers, and then there was, um, there was a, a, a more of a family-owned one, but I forget the name of it. But... Um, but yeah, I remember just like I lost my train of thought there. But it's like yeah, there's a whole thing out there, and I've met you know quite a few people who grew up there, and yeah, people people our age that I've met who grew up in Utah are either the poster child for Mormonism, yeah, or they are no longer a member, want nothing to do with it. Because of the experience that they had growing up, right? It is. I mean, like you know, it's very polarizing. Look, it's oh yeah. You look at the uh, suicide rates yes. in young people in Utah, and it's the highest in the country. It's wild. And it's bizarre because here's the thing: growing up, a member of the church, I was taught, okay, it's 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 a Mormonism. We believe in Jesus Christ, right? So it's a it's a it's a subset of Protestantism. Right, if you want to look at it generally, which in and of itself is a subset of Catholicism, which is Christianity, right, as all. Right? right. So there are the basic tenets of Christianity, right, which is that Jesus loved people, right, right, and Jesus wants his followers to love people. And you know where these larger churches, the Catholic Church, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, some evangelical evangelical churches get it wrong is that there are so many people in the church who who are who are vain yeah who want to put put up a face I don't, I don't even sure why and well that's not entirely true you look at some of the ways people have taught the theology of Christianity yeah and it becomes very obvious why people are the way they are because there's there's this there's this the biggest thing I think is like the the concept of sin and the way it's taught in church, like, you know, how, like, um, you sin, and that's really bad. If you, you, you don't repent of your sins, you're going to end up in hell for all eternity. Right. And, you know, and hell is this place of everlasting fire and brimstone, and it's just eternal punishment, right? Yeah. And rightfully, many people have a problem with that belief. Myself included, actually. Like you think about, like think about if God is supposed to be loving, then why is there such a place that even exists? Yeah. Right. And, and right. And that that's kind of actually what leads you know to me and my personal beliefs, um, in my personal studies of 
of Mormon doctrine. We believe in an afterlife that has um, sort of three degrees of, of heaven, three levels, if you will. Right. And growing up, the way they teach it, you think that there's like three distinct places, like three physical places, like there's that house and this house and that house. And you want to go to that house because that house is where God lives. Yeah. That's you know that's the highest level, and you want to get there. And that's that's and you to get there you get baptized, you be a good member of the church your whole life, and that whole thing, and you get there. Um. I don't believe that's that is what it is at all. Yeah. Actually, I think I think we might talk about this before how it's um. What sort of level you end up in after this life, if you believe in an afterlife, depends on your, it's a mental state, it's not a physical state. Yeah. Um, I talked about this with my brother uh, about a week or two, about a week ago. And so, you know, we all grew up within the church. Uh, my parents have since left the church, they've had their names removed. My siblings are not a part of the church. Um, in fact, I'm the only straight sibling in my family. Yeah. Um, my older sister is bi. Married to a man. And they have a kid together, but she's bi. My uh, first younger sister is gay and she's married to her, her wife. And my um, I have another sibling who was a sister. They're non-binary now. And then my brother uh, is also queer. Very interesting. Um, Quite the gamut, though. Yeah, yeah. And then there's me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm... I'm, you know, like, I, straight as an arrow, Yeah. still a member of the church, right, like, you know, that's my belief system and everything, and it's interesting, like, just having, like, just my family dynamic in and of itself has really opened my eyes to be like, okay, I took a good hard look at what my religion teaches, Yeah. because I was, I was on my mission trip. When my sister came out as gay to me, she sent me an email. Wow. And I'm like, wow. And when I left for my mission, in my head, my family was also going, in my head, I'd be coming home right when my sister would be going on her mission. We'd have like a month or two of passing before she left on hers. Sure. You know, and, and no, that was not the case at all. So six months before I came home, before my time was finished, my sister emailed me and said, hey, like, you know, I have feelings for this girl. I'm going to start dating her. And, like, right. And, you know, I think this could only be attributed to the way my parents raised me um, and my personal outlook on life because, you know, I think I can take some responsibility for the way I think. My reaction to her email was just, well, actually, my first reaction was a lot of things about our child make sense now. Yeah. Like, everything makes sense now. She was a tomboy growing up. She was more rough and tumble than I was, you know, like, there's a lot of things that knowing what I know now, yeah, it makes, suddenly my childhood clicked. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, it was interesting. I was like, okay. And then I did not find myself, um, despite being, you know, a missionary within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, no, I did not feel any kind of um, prejudice against my sister at all. And for the record, I hadn't felt any prejudice towards the LGBT community anyway. Yeah. Um, I just don't. 
at first I don't have those prejudices. I don't have those prejudices, again, because I think of the way my parents raised me, but also I would, I would like to say my own common sense. I feel like I, as a person, I hate conflict. Um, I hear that. I've always been a pretty easygoing individual. Um, growing up, I was more introverted than I am now. I learned a lot of people skills as a missionary. But it was one of those moments where it's like it was a bit of a catharsis situation where here I am, a full believing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who has this belief in this theology, um, who is now faced with the fact that, hey, my own family members no longer fit into that um, They don't fit that world anymore. No. Right. And that was problematic for me, as you might imagine. And I think a lot of people, in order to reconcile that, will start ignoring certain things. Yes. Yeah. Or they will start kind of blind eye. Yeah. They'll ignore things either about their religion or about LGBT community. Yeah. Cherry picking. Um, yeah, in order to sort of, oh, I had a good word for it a second ago. Um, yeah, they try to, they try to like, they try to force it to work. The first thing I did that day it was, it was a P day. It was, it was, a, it was one day a week as missionaries get a day to go shopping and just hang out and have some free time, right? Um, because you can't work seven days a week. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we, we it was P day. And instead of doing what I usually did, you know, I was at the library, we'd email at the public library. Um, and usually I'd email myself, I'd read emails, respond to emails, send an email, and then actually I would often I would I would burn music onto CDs nice. using MP3 converter. Nice. Which like pretty sure is Dude, I did that all the time. <laughs> I did anyway. like, and as a missionary no less. But anyway, it doesn't matter whatever. You know what? It's fine, yeah, no problem. Um so I did. I would do that, or or I'd like, or I'd read. We're in the library. I love to read. Yeah. Find a book. I'd read. Well, no, not that day. That day, as soon as I read the email, the first thing I did was look at everything on their church's website regarding the LGBT community. Okay. And that same day, I was reading an article. Um, or it was a conference talk. One of the talks one of our leaders gave at the, yeah, the, conference, general, the yeah. conference. And I don't remember who the leader was. So I can't say if he's one of the dead ones or not. <laughs> but it was like, you know, within the last couple of decades, he gave this address. And in it, the whole point of his talk, that talk was that it's okay. God is going to take care of it. Yeah. Whatever it was. Right. And and not and not in the sense that like, oh, God's gonna take care of my God's gonna fix all my problems. Right. God's gonna I'm gonna sin, but that's okay, God's gonna take care of it. No. It was more like no, it, like it's okay. God has it figured out. You don't have to worry about it. That that, that was more of what God has it figured out for me. It was within within our church we believe that, you know, our, our prophet receives revelation, direction from God for the people of church, but also we as individuals 
can receive direct revelation from God on a personal level. Sure. So um, it's just it's just uh, personal revelation, and that day I really felt you know what I can identify as as, as that sort of revelation was that it was a reassurance to me that one, God loves me and God loves my family. Two, I didn't have to worry about them yeah. at all. They are not my responsibility, for one thing. But also eternally, like I like don't have to worry about their souls at all. And not not so much that it's not my place, more so that it's like, you know what? I'm God, they're also my children, just like you are. I love that. Yeah. And because they're my children, I'm going to look out for them. Yeah. And that was the start of a very long journey spiritually where I started seeing my faith in a very different sort of way than I did growing up. And all of that culminates in the fact that I really do believe that I believe in an afterlife. I believe everyone in the afterlife is going to be happy. When all is said and done, everyone's going to be happy. It'd be yeah. truly happy. People wonder, well, how is that possible? There's hell. Well, it's not possible. There's hell. Hell, as I believe most Christian religions teach it, doesn't exist. Just something fact, to scare us. Yeah, something to scare us. Uh, and, and, and you look at the way it's taught, like, hell is a, is a, is a, is a, is a, is a fear-based thing. Yeah, it is, for sure. The problem is faith and fear cannot coexist. No, they can't. If you have fear, you don't have faith. If you have faith, you don't have fear. If Beautiful. you teach with fear, your people don't have faith. No. No. That's why a lot of people leave Christianity, because That's their what... pastors, bishops, yeah. church leaders teach a fear aspect. Now, fortunately, I've never personally experienced that. I've always had bishops who are who like get it, or seem to get at least get the important things anyway. Yeah, you know, and that's been right. my personal experience. But countless stories of other people who have had horrible experiences with bishops. I mean, if you've heard of Mormon uh, Mormon Stories podcast, it's all about that. Man, I after I left Utah, I remember I read Under the Banner of Heaven by John Krakauer, mm -hmm. and then you know I did a, you know my own deep dives, and I was just like, it was very very eye opening. But also, you know, and uh, I want to harken back to this for a second because, you know, even though you had your you know you had to work through that you know being uh, told or, or that like your sister coming out is gay and everything like that but you also understanding like everything kind of making sense like having that catharsis of like oh my childhood makes sense and i think that that's the the beauty that your parents did is they allowed your sister to go through those iterations in her childhood of being a tomboy of being this and that of, of yep. entertaining these things without saying no that's not you this is what you should be and yeah. I think that that's what a lot of um, why, we're, why you had said the highest rate of suicide is in Utah is because I think that because Mormonism is such a, it's so rooted in a person's identity uh -huh. as well as any religion. Yeah. But like, you know, if you are, you know, if you feel uncomfortable in your body, but you're being told that you have to display yourself in a certain way that doesn't really align with how you truly feel internally 
I mean, that's, that's, that's identity crisis central. Yep. And if you already have your identity rooted in your faith and what's going what's, what's, what's gonna to happen, like you're going to have to relinquish what is like true to you, but at the end of the day, at what cost? Yeah. It's going to create resentment. Maybe it's yeah. going to create more things. That's why you see these Jack Mormons go 180. Oh, and yeah. They go balls to the wall, man. They go like hard. I, I, I remember seeing some at parties that were just like, I had seen them as Mormons, and then they were like, you know what? Nah, man. You know what? I'm doing keg stands. I'm doing cocaine. They're like, they go, they go yep. boom, shakalaka. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that that's just like a very, very interesting thing because. I think we're coming to this point in our lives, even on both sides of the spectrum, we're not allowing our children to just kind of like go through their childhood and iterate through and working through all of the social dynamics that we're being thrown nowadays. And when you're a child and you're being told that what you're doing is not right and that you need to stop, um, you're you're not seeing them. for, for and, yeah. and that's the worst thing. It's like, it's like, and that's what I tell, like, my middle school kids. It's like, you know, that's the, the aspect of respect. If you etymologize the word respect, re in Greek, back and or again, you know, that's where you get redundant from or recapitulate. Yeah. Re meaning back and then spect coming from specto, spectaru, which means to look or watch. So respect really etymologically in its true sense because etymology, etymos means the true sense, ology of the study of. The true sense of the study of the words. Yep. Respect just means that I'm looking back to I see you. I hope that you see me. And at the end of the day, yep. that's all that. Like how many times as a kid, you just maybe you were in uh, embedded in like your friend group, and all you wanted to be was heard. Hey yeah. guys, hey guys, hey, guess what guys? Good. But they're yep. not hearing you, and you feel yep. so small. You yep. feel so small, and like when you feel so small, and you're continually made felt small, like. I can, like, hey, I, I don't know myself. I mean, like, objectively, I know because, like, I've had those thoughts in my mind where it's like, you know what? Depression is a very insidious thing. Oh, yeah. It, it is very insidious. And, like, I've dealt with it a lot of my life, and I've had it thrown in my face big time during COVID and quarantine and that kind of stuff. And it's like, you know what? If I have these things, then, you know what? Yeah, we have a lot of our youth that are dealing with this, and yeah. they, they're being told so many different things from so many different, you know, across the aisles, and what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what's true, what's not true. Yeah. It's just very confusing. It is. And any one, if you, if you go to any one worldview, that worldview is obviously going to tell their children that this is what is true. Um. No matter where you're born, where you come from is what is true. Right. And there's this idea that truth in and of itself exists beyond anyone's own perspective, which I believe that, you know, so then what is truth? That's a big philosophical question yeah. that philosophers and religions have been trying to answer since the beginning of time. Um, I don't want to go to that tangent just yet. <laughs> but, it's it's like you know what you what you mentioned about parenting like the way my parents raised us. My dad grew up in a very authoritative household. His parents were very much like the you know authoritative Mormon parents. Yeah. Um. And so all my uncles have Eagle Scouts. 
um, which is the activity branch of the church for young men for a very long time. And and then they all went, or two of them went on missions. Um, the other two were, by the time they were old enough, either my grandparents didn't care as much, or they just like had decided, no, I'm not going to do this, and they didn't care what their parents thought. I don't know the details um, about that situation for them. But clearly, you know, I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. And these were my siblings, and so we all feel very comfortable being who we are. Even me, I feel comfortable. You know, I am technically I guess, at this point, I would be considered the black sheep in my family because I'm the religious one, and they're all not. Yeah. You know, uh, my dad even is—he doesn't believe in God um, at all. It's so interesting and, that your whole family has kind of done this. And but like, you know, what's awesome is that it serves you, so you continue does. with it. It does, and you know, and like. If nothing else, it just goes to show that, like, my parents gave all of us the opportunity to explore the world and what we want to be in it. And I have, you know, being raised in the church, I had the opportunity to be exposed to these ideas at a very young age and for all my entire life. And then just as I got older, that just continued to resonate with me. Yeah. And still does. Right. And that's why I'm where I am. Um, do I have misgivings about certain church policies absolutely yeah do i believe that uh everything the church teaches is great no there are certain ideologies that stem from personal you know like just i mean any big organization over time is going to what i call go corporate yeah right you know, it's like it's, it's gonna. There's gonna be problems. There's gonna be systems in place that yeah. people are gonna fall into. Like, you lose the heart of a thing when it gets big enough. Yeah, it's really easy to lose that. And I, you know, I like to think that overall, most members of the church still get it. I think there's a lot of problems in the upper workings of the church. I think there's a lot of systematic issues that currently exist. Yeah. That are uh, have been put in place from previous leaders that are perpetuated by current leaders. All I know is that this religion has taught me to be the person I am, and I don't regret that. Right. For a second. I can also acknowledge that this same church has harmed a lot of other people, my siblings included. You know? Yeah. And so there's that dichotomy that exists. That's interesting. Yeah. It's it's inescapable. It is both are true. Right. How do you reconcile that? Well, I do it through studying my religion and getting closer to God. And relying more and more and more on personal revelation. And less on revelation of prophets. Because I'll tell you what, the prophets, I mean, like, you look at conference talks from this year, conference talks 10 years ago, talking about all the same things. No and prophet they, is they ever saying such a anything thing new. Too. No prophet's like, ever saying anything new. They reiterate a lot of the things, things yeah. over and over again, which certain principles and doctrines, that's kind of how that works. You know, if you want to teach a principle, like, 
principles don't change. The principle of love, for example. For sure. Doesn't change. No. So yes, you're going to have a talk from a guy 50 years ago about love and a talk from a guy today about love, and they're going to be pretty consistent. Yeah. You know? Well, okay, so everyone expects, like, okay, with, with, with the idea of, of, of the end of the world, right, and, and what we believe in as the second coming of Jesus Christ, um, there's always a lot of excitement around general conference because maybe this is the conference that the prophets are going to yeah, say I remember they would talk it's gonna about be, the it's gonna be This is going to be the one where we're going to get this huge revelation, and it's never going to happen. It's never, yeah. never going to happen. The, uh, yeah, it's when and I believe Christ will come again. When he does, it's gonna be he's gonna come before we realize he's here. Yeah, he's gonna be here before we even realize it. Um, there, there's, there's the we'll probably reject him for a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, and not only that, religious people. Yeah, will probably reject him too. Guaranteed. The most pious person you can think of. Guaranteed. Yeah, they're gonna be like, is it really? Is it? Yeah. You know, like, I was like, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. The people that think they know <laughs> and all of them will be the ones that are humbled at the end of the day. Interesting enough, the current prophet, um, Russell Nelson, a couple of years ago, gave a conference talk. He urged every member to focus, to be like, hey, like you, he said, quote, you cannot survive spiritually without personal revelation. Yeah. Times are coming. There's no way you're going to make it if you don't have a personal collection to God. <laughs> I, you know, it's, and like whatever you believe, whether you think faith is whether you think faith is a mental illness, whether you think God is an imaginary friend, like this is a guy that the number one dude telling us, "Hey, figure it out yourselves." Yeah, um, you're going to have to be spiritually self-reliant, yeah. and that's going to look different. It's not going to, you know, like. If anything, the church, you know, like is pressing for more, not disorganization, but like during COVID, there was a push, you know, we obviously didn't go to church, we didn't attend regular meetings in our buildings. There was a push to focus on spiritual learning at home within your family. Yeah. And that push is still happening. Um, it seems that they're really trying to prepare the, prepare the people to go back to the core, which is our family unit. I see. To focus on spirituality within, within and not care so much about the bigger picture. Just I like that. You guys got to make sure you're ready. Yeah. As a, as a person, as a family. Like, hey, the church is here. The church has resources. When crap hits the fan, the church will help its own yeah. and more people. You know, just like you'd expect any religion too. But spirit, like you know, that, that's that's temporal. That's that's worldly. That's like that's like food and shelter. Right. Spiritually, they're going to be I think, too busy helping out with the housing and the shelter. To focus on helping their spiritual growth, they will because that's kind of that's kind of the nature of, of, of people who who are leaders. They, they preach, right? The nature of religion is to is to teach right which things, but you're gonna have to be in the spiritual place that you set yourself up for, right? I agree. Um, no, and that's that's it. That's a good thing to like, because like for me, like 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 we talked about before, like I. And, you know, I grew up Catholic and I was confirmed and all that stuff. And, you know, although I don't align with that and I don't carry those practices into my, my day and age now, yeah. I do love the, the aspects of morality and ethics that it did imbue in me that yeah. I can take away from. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think it was like after, like I talked to you about taking the 
very world of religions class and just kind of getting my mind just expanded so much. Yeah. Um, I also just started to really resonate with, well, Jesus in uh-huh. general, yeah. but also how I kind of aligned him to the Buddha in a way. Yeah. And how... I've heard of so many comparisons to Jesus and Buddha. Like, it's, like, it's crazy how many things are similar. Yeah. You're like, it's the same guy. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. is like, I think that the reason why we love him so much, we love the, the aspect of the Buddha, mm-hmm. is he was able to achieve enlightenment, but he did it through human effort, yes. human endeavor. He was, was, he was a person. He was human. He wasn't one of these prophets or whatever, yeah. you know, or you, that you got to, like, you know, you be ascetic for your entire life. And you got to be a monk and, yeah. you know, you got to go on silent retreat. No, mm-hmm. it's not about that. You know, Siddhartha. And that's what I love about that book. If you've ever read Siddhartha, the the significance of spirals has made such an impact in my life now, because that's what life is, and that's what, what this, this this cycle is. You know, mm-hmm. you know he like we talked about. You know, it wasn't about being and living in an opulent lifestyle and being a prince and having everything uh, that he always wanted, but it wasn't also about fasting under a fig tree, um, because he realized that he got done with that forty days, and he was like, dude, I'm just starving and I didn't get anything out of that yeah so at the end of the day he comes to this middle path but it, it goes through so many iterations and that's how I think of of life and that's how I thought about my my life because sometimes I get frustrated with my life I feel like you know what it's just like this I'm on repeat I'm on this cycle I'm on this the circle where I wake up I work I do the, my routine and and then you know the way that I think about it now it's like life is almost like a slinky it's like you go through these cycles but then you, you do something that, you know, that maybe you wouldn't have done that prior day. And, and that kind of levels you up. And now you're in another ring. And now you're yep. kind of like you're in another cycle. Yep. And then maybe one day you wake up and you decide to, I don't know, brush your teeth with your left hand. I don't know, something stupid like that. And then you level up and you do it again yep. and again. And then your life becomes a slinky where it's just like you, get, you go through these cycles and you have to, you kind of go through the motions until you're like, wait, I want more. I yeah. want to move forward, or I want to achieve more in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And that's why, you know, I, I thought about it. And that's what moksha is, and that's what yeah. the understanding of it, like, you know, you, you, you go through these, and hey, you know what? I mean, like, I, I don't know how much, uh, you know, truth there is to, like, the concept of reincarnation, but I like yeah. the idea of being able to, because, like, we are, we're these individuals, it's like, you know, what is the life, the meaning of life? Well, it's not six times seven. It's none of these things, but yet at the end of the day, we keep on asking ourselves so, so much. Yeah. Like, what, what is it? And you know what? Maybe I'm not going to figure it out in this lifetime, but maybe in another iteration of my life, I will be a Buddhist monk and I will have been able to relinquish all of my possessions and relinquish everything and everything that doesn't serve me. And I can live in meditation and be at peace. I don't know, you know, the, yeah. or maybe I reincarnate or maybe... It, me saying reincarnation is just like maybe maybe I reincarnate every single day. You yeah. know, I wake up yeah. and I have a choice to to continue in that same cycle or I can reincarnate reincarnate myself and do another something different. You know? I like that idea. Because like it's you can really choose who you want to be. There's this idea within Mormonism that uh, life is a test. I think too many people get caught up on trying to pass the test, be baptized, go to the temple. Right. They don't realize what I think I've come to realize, which is that, you know, 
what we do now, I do believe what we do now determines what we're like in an afterlife. I agree. And the afterlife I believe in has, again, those three levels, which again, I believe are, are more mental state than anything else. And this life isn't so much a test to pass, it's more of you have mortality to reach what your potential is, whatever you want it to be. Right. And that's going to be different for everyone. And there are different mental states, different understandings people are going to essentially end up with. Um, and that is what's going to determine where they go. There's, there's this idea of a judgment where people are going to be judged for our sins or we're going to be sent to heaven or hell. No. Yeah. Uh, again, I don't think it's like that at all. I think it's going to be like, hey, uh, where do you want to be? <laughs> I honestly, truly I believe like it's going to be, hey, like, where are you most comfortable? Where, what, what level of, what level of understanding did you achieve in this life? Who, Ooh, who are your people? That. Let's find your people. Let's put you with them. I really love that. And so, some people's people are going to be, hi, you know, God's people. Some people, people are going to be like, you know, we're just going to hang out together, and we're just, you know, and again, I truly believe everyone's going to be happy in the afterlife for eternity. Happiness is different for everyone now. I really don't think the afterlife is going to be very different from the way life is now. Uh, I, I think we're going to be surprised how similar everything is, really, mm -hmm. and how, how, how little things matter that we think matter so much now. Right. And like, honestly, I mean, relig even, religion, even religious identity is not going to matter because, again, I believe that when. Jesus comes again. There's this idea that uh, those who are wicked are going to be destroyed, and there's be people left over in that initial destruction, which again, I also don't believe is destruction. It's 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 a lot to talk about, but like really, when I view God as loving God, as our spiritual parent, and His realm being our spiritual home, and basically. You know, he destroys evil people all the time. Those just people just don't get it. These are, yeah. these, are, these are bigots. These are people who have hate in their hearts. Yes. Who just don't understand. Yeah. And so because they don't understand, because like, you know what, like, at a certain point, because of your misunderstanding, you are causing more harm than good um, to my other children. I don't want to say death is a mercy, because... Because people have said that before, and it, it has its own connotations behind it already. And people hear that, and you know, there's there's so there's so much package baggage with yeah. that statement that, that I can't quite say that. But um, no, like the righteous people are not going to be all members of my family. No, no, at all. And there's this idea of a millennial reign where Jesus Christ will be on the earth. For a thousand years, it'll be a thousand years of peace, and people will still be able to practice their religion, whatever it was before. Like, like, so, so I have that idea in my head already. I have that belief. Therefore, like, afterlife, if there's patterns, yeah, in life, right? Uh, there's patterns in the grand design, if you will. I really think we're going to be very surprised. Just. How not different things are. I agree. In the hereafter. Yeah. Um, no matter what we believe or where we are spiritually, mentally, um, 
as far as people not believing in God, even like believing to the extent it doesn't exist, because I do believe in God, like obviously in my mind there's, there's a time and place for like, okay, you're going to have to be looking at a thing right in your face at a person. I believe God is a person, right? Like us. Um, and admit that, okay, there is a being called God. And I don't know what that's going to look like, you know, and I, I, I never try to say that, like, this for sure is going to be the way it's going to be. I just know what I feel like it's going to be. Yeah. From my personal experience. And all I can say is that that's what, that's what I believe. Yeah. I can't, you know, that's like, you know, I was a missionary, but looking back, like, I, I can understand, like, it's just, you do have missionary work. I think true missionary work is one service, helping people. Two, finding people who genuinely want to believe these things. Yeah, right. Don't try think, and shove think, it down their throat. I think too many missionaries get caught up and get pushed to just preach and like and just yeah. preach at people. Yeah, it's the and quota just get thing. numbers. Yeah, and then that's problematic because like, yeah, like you know, if someone says no, they say no. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in this. If they don't believe in God, but they don't believe in Mormonism. There's no reason to yeah. uh, try and just not there. Them. They're not. They're not and that, there. And that's okay. And the problem is, a lot of you know missionaries are trained to be like, oh, that's, no, that's not okay. You have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and like, literally, <laughs> uh, literally, it doesn't work. Also, do you think maybe some of the animosity people have towards us is because of the way we do missionary work? Yeah. You know, like. Hmm. That's like, some amazing like, self-awareness. Like, 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 could you wonder if, if maybe we did things a bit differently, if we weren't so pushy, if we respected people's boundaries more yeah. in the mission field, do you think that maybe people would have more goodwill towards us? Yeah. I think so. I think so, too. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah. I, like, it's just, you can't, you can't be a... You, and in truth, I felt like a salesperson. And there, there was actually um, one time I was on an exchange. I was with a different missionary than my normal companion was in their area and we were meeting with the guy and this guy would love to meet with missionaries and just like go back and forth with them yeah essentially have an argument with them okay not like it oh. not, not 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 a not a hostile one okay just um, like uh like he trying did, to understand yeah. he did love picking on us okay so he did he's love a, that he's a little antagonistic a little bit but like. not but not like extremely so it was mostly just like i love to have this banter with you guys okay you know, I, Honestly, as I mentioned, like, okay, if you're not genuinely interested, I, I was under the, um, you know, idea that if, if you're not genuinely interested, I don't want to talk to you because yeah. I want to find people who are, and this is really just a waste of my time. Regardless, this guy likes to do this, and we had that appointment set up, and I was with uh, the newer missionary in that area, and so we both go in pretty blind, actually, to what this guy does. He wasn't mean or anything, but he had a... If either pest control or a garage door salesman at his house doing a doing quote when we showed up. Okay. And they were wrapping things up. Man, so they do like, so many summer sales things yeah. out there in Utah and whatnot. I this, remember This that. was in California. Oh, okay. I, this was me in California. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's um, right. You yeah. served in California. That's right. Um, and so he was there. They were wrapping things up. So we weren't imposing or anything. But we started talking. And the sales guy actually stuck around for a few minutes to join the conversation. And it, it, was, it, was, it was, you know, it was lighthearted enough. Um, you know, the, the new missionary kind of kept getting his tongue tied a little bit because he's here like fresh, meat, yeah. you know, like, oh, like in, going to the MTC, the missionary training center is a process. You get processed. Like, 
<laughs> oh. They they cycle through. Like, they get you ready. Factory line, man. Yeah, man. It's weird. MTC was a weird place. I'll, I'll talk about that later. It's, it's more weird for me later on in life than it was then. Interesting. Um, but even at the what time. What does MTC stand for? Missionary Training Center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. I went to the one in Provo, Utah. They have several across the world now. Oh, I bet the one um, in Provo, Utah was definitely uh, big time. The, there, there are walkways between campus and down the, like, down the middle. And just the edges are like the normal stone. But so many, hundreds of thousands, millions of missionaries have walked those same walkways. There's a permanent discoloration on the stone walkways, and they're black because it comes from shoe polish. Oh my gosh! It is insane. That's it's like, so it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool because you're like, wow, like so many hundreds, millions of missionaries have walked on this sidewalk to get to their classes around that campus. Is, uh, that is like a part of the cog, though. It's yeah, like so, it's so weird. weird. It was That's weird. so interesting. The dorms have like no windows, or if they do, they're very small. It's 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 a thing, man. Yeah, dude, it's a thing. Um, <laughs> dude, I remember like just like yeah, Utah because I you know I finished up at Utah State, but yeah. Utah State, you know, serious, seriously Mormon. They would even have, you know, they'd be talking crap about BYU kids. Like, oh yeah, oh, there's so much like other. between Utah schools and BYU. Oh, you yeah. know, even BYU to BYU Idaho is weird. BYU has a superiority complex. They do. People man. who go there have a severe problem with that. And that's a different tangent that I also am lying into right now because mostly it'd be me venting. And, well, while I think venting is fine, I don't know if I want this podcast to just be venting. Yeah. Sometimes maybe. But not For sure. Anyway, that's my personal preference. But, like, yeah, going back to, like, so this, this guy, so he was fresh out of the MTC, the new guy. He was, like, processed. Yeah. Right. Um, and so he went, and he was like, he, was, he went in, he, he had certain expectations, things you know you're supposed to say, things you know you're not supposed to talk about, whatever it is, right? Um, I had been out for a lot longer, and, I, and just, I'm, a, I, I'm more privy to listen before I speak, um, which often led us to being in places longer, like longer than I would have liked, because some, because people can just talk your ear off. Yeah, you know? well, you know it, I know <laughs> it. sitting there and like, granted, I can be that way too. More, more so now than before. So we're talking to this guy. The salesman sticks around just because he's interested. Like, oh, like Mormon missionary showed up. Like, this is not doesn't happen every day. Yeah, right. right? So we're sitting talking, right? And, you know, we talk and we banter. And it doesn't go anywhere, of course, because he's not interested in joining the church. And I'm not interested in, 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 in humoring people who aren't interested. Yeah. You know? As we're going out, though, the sales guy, he's like, hey, you're, like, really good at this. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, from a sales perspective, and I remember thinking, like, oh, man, like, really? But then I did this thing, kind of subconsciously. Like, but then, I'm like, hey, are you are you interested in, in talking to the missionaries more? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, no, but also, good job. I'm like, what do you mean, good job? He's like, no, like, you're like, you know how to like push your product. Is kind of what is pretty much what he said to me. And man, that night, I got to me like, wait, am I pushing a product? You know? Yeah. So that night, I'm like, holy crap, I think I am. You know, I'm trying to sell this religion, right? So that really, you know, that was that was the latter half of my mission, beginning of the end uh, of my time out there. That's interesting. So, and I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that I'm good at selling my religion. Yeah, I just, I, I just know, wanted, but nasty. but that's how they train you. Sure. So that that's 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 the kind of instinct you develop. 
right? Those are the habits you form because that's what they train you to do. I genuinely just wanted to find people who wanted this spirituality in their life. Yeah. And I really wasn't interested if you weren't. Yeah. Just as an individual missionary, I wasn't, you know, and, and yet I was always, of course, you know, I was always open to at least invite, at least invite, you know, and that's, it's always an invitation. Um, so yes, I was very um, proactive. Right. Of course. I'm out there to do this thing. I'm out there to teach people about what exactly. I believe right. and if they would like to come in to bring them in. Um, and to find those people, you got to go and ask them. So you got to be, you got to be, you know, you got to be a people person. You do. And, 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 you know, when I was out there, we weren't, we weren't knocking doors anymore. You know, anytime I knocked on the door, there was a name behind the door already for me. Um, whether it was someone I knew or someone someone else knew, there was always a name behind every door I knocked on my mission. So, so um, you already knew you had like you had the information. There was somebody, like, and you know, and and I and I think if you're knocking doors, and you don't know if, who's behind the door. You should still approach it with the idea there's a person behind there. Yeah. But having a name helped out a lot. Right? Gotcha. And I always had a name, whether it was a, a reference someone else made. I didn't all, most of them didn't know who the name belonged to, but there was a name. Okay. And if there wasn't a name, I didn't knock on the door. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. We would talk to people on the street while we're walking around. Yeah. Street contacting. Yeah. We do that. that. Um, you know, and, and stuff. And that's such a neutral public environment. It's not, you know, it's not quite as, it's not nearly as intrusive as knocking on your door. Right. Um, and even knocking on doors with a name, I wasn't, I didn't like, because like oftentimes it was, you know, it was just a name. Sometimes it wasn't that much better than just knocking on a random door. But I can tell you, like that kind of that kind of way to spread religion doesn't work, especially nowadays. Yeah, that does not work anymore. No, no, not even no, close. No. Like people are super against even just regular salesmen selling actual products. Yeah, dude, get off people, my lawn. Yeah, exactly. People are just, I mean, you know, and even me, I'm like, no, I don't want to. No, I don't want to buy your thing. Yeah, you know. So I guess recently there's, there's been a shift. For a lot of missionary work on social media, yeah, I've I've been reached out to on mm-hmm. Facebook. Here's the problem with that: they're treating it, they're treating that just like tracking. Yeah, I know, just it's like a, door knocking, kind of but, but 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 it, but it's but it's Facebook accounts exactly, and they're it's and they're not changing the way they do it at all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like it's like clearly whoever is in charge of the missionary program doesn't understand how the world works anymore. I know. Yeah, and like I the, know, there's the such kind a of, disconnect, dude. The kind of missionary work that works is when you're a person and you talk to another person. That's when it. That's when the magic happens, man. Yeah, dude, for and real. That's, and that's true of literally everything else in life. Absolutely, teaching, teaching um, YouTube channel, you know, TikTok account. Yeah, like if if you are a person, you're connecting with another person as human beings. That's when the stuff happens. People crave. What is genuine? They do. And I do too. Absolutely. Here's the problem with a badge. You're automatically disingenuine. Yes. Because, and even, even if you are the most personable person on the planet, that's a barrier. That badge is a barrier. Yeah. It just is. So, you know, whatever you, know, whatever you think about religion spreading their belief, at least we don't do it with violence anymore. Well, okay. <laughs> but like, at least, you know, we're not doing crusades anymore. Yeah. Freaking... But like, 
individuals will still spread their religion with fear and violence, and that's unfortunate. And like, and you know, a lot of people leave religion because they don't want to be associated with those people. And I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be associated with them either. That's also why I just stick to myself. Yeah. And be who I am. My beliefs are part of me, but I am still myself without them as well. Exactly. And I think if people can get there, I think, I think, I think they'd be in a good place. I think so too. Um, and I'm yeah, biased hard. because that's where I am, and I want to think I'm in a good place. <laughs> but you know, I, I do feel like I'm in a good place. Yeah. As a person, you know, I'm secure in my beliefs. I'm secure in my relationships. Um, so yeah, missionary work, man, it's crazy. Like it was, it was an experience, for sure. And I mean, you know, I had a good time. Right. Not every missionary has a good time. No. And the, you know, and a lot of missionaries sent yeah, out I there. Yeah, we're talking to forced, a few. Forced to go out there, and again, I've met people who like I. I think I think you shouldn't be here right now. Right. I think you really can be doing better things with your life. I don't care what the church says. You know, I. And I was in leadership positions as a missionary. Um, I never had that kind of talk with any missionary. Um, and I don't remember if it was because I never came across one that I had jurisdiction over, had those problems, or if it did, I didn't see it because, you know, I'm only human. And I actually, I would be quite oblivious sometimes. Yeah. Actually, I, I think I developed obliviousness as a defense mechanism, actually, because while my parents raised me the best they could, there were still things they did as parents that, um, did more harm than good. And I think that's the case of every parent. You know, yeah. Look at my dad's parents. They messed up big time with their kids. Obviously, there's a huge rift in the family at that level right. uh, between the religious and the non-religious. Me and my siblings, I'm religious, none of them are. We're like best friends. And I've talked to each of them and like, you know what? I don't think our relationship is ever going to go bad unless one of us like merge someone. And even then, I'll probably help you hide the body. But yeah. Like, Unless one of us just straight up just becomes an absolute asshole, there's no way that we're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. The, we're going to be disjointed. The rider dies, man. For yeah. real, though. That's that's how I want my siblings to. You know, and that's the thing about families. Family is always. If yeah. You have a good family or like a supportive family. Like they're always going to have your back, and yeah. you're gonna, always going to have their they're back, well. and uh, they're going to be the most solid support in your entire life. Mm -hmm. um, but like. And that's the thing is like it's unfortunate that something as beautiful as religion can be yeah. is something that very Often much tears. Leaves, it, it 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 causes the problem it's trying to fix. Exactly. A lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, where's the love, man? Like I just kinda yeah. have a, a love affair with love at this point. Yeah, know? yeah. It, it's just like if we can imbue our own semblance of what love is, because love doesn't have to be creepy. Yeah. It doesn't no. have to be doesn't have to be weird. Mm -hmm. It can be very intimate. It can yeah. be deep with the person, your par your partner, and anything like that. But also, love can just be acceptance and understanding. Yeah, exactly. And meeting everybody with uh, where they're at, rather than trying to, to, you know, yeah, sub shove some shit down their throats. Because you yeah. know, like, like you were saying, like I remember, the whole quota thing came to be for me with Mormonism when I remember, and I just felt I felt so unseen. This is yeah. why. Is because yeah. like I would, I remember I would walk up to campus every single day for school, mm -hmm. um, and it was kind of a longer walk. And like USU is perched on this like plateau, it's beautiful, okay. yeah. But like beautiful views and everything like that. But I would always be walking up 
and there would be the stretch of like a hill that I would walk up and I'd crest up the top of the hill. There was always this missionary there. There yeah. would always, I, it was, if not every day, every other day, I would see him and he would treat me as if he had never met me and still try to give me the, the you know, the, same the spiel. The spiel. Yeah, every day. And I was thing. like, and then one day I came to it. It was like after like three or four weeks, I was like, look, man, dude, you know me. We have interacted. I've looked in your eye. I know your name. You probably know my name. You probably. know where I stand with this stuff. Leave it be. And it's it, it was it got to this point where it was like, no, they I don't want to leave it be to where like it was kind of like this running joke that if we had missionaries show up to our apartment, um, we'd we'd invite them in for a beer, and that that was mm. the the instantaneous way to, to get them out of there. Yeah, you know, because yeah. they they they'd be like, oh, you know, whatever. They're just trying to be antagonistic. But it was like, I don't want to be antagonistic. I I I, I do want to respect that you're doing your thing, but, but you don't you're see not me. seeing me. You you, know, you it's, think it's frustrating. You think, you think maybe <laughs> like not that I say not that I say you'd be converted, but you'd think maybe you uh, would have been more receptive if instead of saying "Here's a Book of Mormon," would said "Hi Liam." Yeah. And left it at that every day. Hey, yeah, hey how are you doing? What are you doing? How are you doing? Where yeah. are you going? How's class? Yeah, how's class? Get to know people. And here's the thing. My experience, the people who I had the most success with, for lack of a better term, were the people that I just was myself with. And we just knew them as a person. Yeah, exactly. And, and I didn't, I cared if they got baptized or not, but I didn't care if I baptized them or not, you know? Not at all. I really, you know, the the best experience on my mission was just when we just had a human, like even people on the street, we just had a human interaction, and like hey, we were and then and they were cool about it. We were cool about it. We just, and it was and it didn't go anywhere. Right. There were no numbers, you know, involved at all. But I became it was it was still enriching for me, and I feel like it was enriching for them too when we had those kinds of interactions, regardless if anything of it yeah you know and and the problem is that you know missionaries are trained to be like hey we gotta you know we gotta we gotta baptize we gotta baptize people and then you know i've come to question that theology too like okay why do we why are we baptized well if you want to live with god again if you want to be in the highest kingdom yeah. heaven then you have to be baptized and you have to and that's not, okay well what's so great about the highest kingdom of heaven and honestly I just still don't quite know <laughs> what's so great about it. No, here's the thing. What, what, you know, what, I've talked about my wife about this too. I have, you know, cause I have, I have these questions and, and I feel comfortable asking questions. Um, you know, where I think if you're insecure in your belief, you don't want to ask any question because you don't want to be, you don't want to, I don't know. You don't want to realize you're wrong, I guess. And that's fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, you don't want, you don't want to, you know, cause, cause if I realize I'm wrong, then I have to change. I don't want to change. I'll just, I, just won't, I just won't question it. That happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, a lot of people. I question things. And like that's still my one of my bigger questions. Like, what's so great about it? And and I don't know. I've been told that it's where God lives. But then, you know, my current understanding of things are that, you know, if 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 our degree of heaven is a mental state. 
then I'll be with God physically anyway. Yeah. And maybe that's enough for some people. He's our spiritual, I believe he's our spiritual father, so he's a family, his family, right? And maybe just being with family and not even being on the same mental wavelength is okay. Yeah, because that, that happens here, right? You look at your parents and your siblings, nowhere near, like me and my brother, we have similar mental wavelengths, but we're not on the same page as far as how we view the world even. Right. There's no way that everyone is going to view things the way God does. Now, there's the big, the big thing is like, oh, we have to align our will with God's. And here's the thing. Our church only teaches the maximum potential that only some people are ever going to reach. Yes. And that's why people don't, that's why there's, there's a mold. That's why people don't fit. Here's the thing is, the thing is, everyone should. Because in the end, everyone is going to be happy. That's in the right. end, everyone is going to be where they need to be as a, as a being. But the, prob the problem with, you know, like, the, the church is only meant to bring the people who want to be, who can be, at the highest degree there. And it doesn't serve anybody else. No. And I've only recently realized that. And, okay, currently in my life situation, I feel like, okay, it still serves me. I could be that person yeah. who reaches that level of enlightenment. Right. Who reaches that oneness with God, as I believe it is, for now, that's still true for me. Yeah. It might not be in 50 years, but exactly. it, it could be. I don't know. For now it is, so I stick with it. Right. Um, and again, these ideas aren't taught in no. the church. Because I had to come up with these on my own. Exactly. Personal revelation, if you will. They are. And, and I've only come across these in the last month. <laughs> a lot of these ideas that we're talking about. I love that though, dude, because that's the thing. It's like we're always growing and like like yeah. I said, like like it's what I love what I love about science. It's like we seek to prove wrong until we get it right. That's yeah. what a hypothesis is. Hypo yep. below thesis means a placement. Mm -hmm. It's a below placement that gets put in the place and then you test and test and retest and then eventually if that holds true, then that becomes theory and yeah. then eventually it becomes law. But like exactly. That's the beautiful thing about it is like, at the end of the day, it just really, it comes down to your own wherewithal and where you're at. I'm reading The Fellowship of the Ring right now. Great book. And I haven't finished it quite yet. Love but, that book. Uh, a few weeks ago, I got to the part where it's the Council of Elrond. And Elrond's like, <clears throat> he says it in the movie, but he says it so much better in the books. Where he's like, Here are, here's The Fellowship of the Ring. And yes. no one is compelled to go farther than they will. Mm. I genuinely believe... I forgot that. Yeah. And what Gim a great way and, to put that. And Gimli's like, like, dishonorable is he who abandons things when it's darkest. Elon counters it with like, well, I can't say what he says, but he's a bit like, yeah, but some people haven't seen certain darkness, and sometimes it's too much for them. Yeah. And so, you know, he got this is the whole thing. There's a whole thing, right? But like Elrond's words, like no one is compelled to go farther than they will. I love that, dude. That's I think that really sums up what I believe about the purpose of this life and what the afterlife is going to look like. No one's compelled to go farther than they will. Because imagine, like I, I I know you probably have certain people in your life that maybe you know you, uh, your ego starts to make a uh, a little bit of a precedence. You wish that you could 
you can teach them and you could like help them realize these certain things, but they're just not at that point. It's like trying to teach, you know, a, a seventh grader calculus. They're yeah. not there. Nope. They're not there. No and way. you can't force them to be there yep. because they have to go through all of the other steps in order yep. to get to calculus. Yep. So you can't just go from zero to, you know, over 9,000 or yep. else you're just going to explode. And how many of us never learned calculus? Exactly. I didn't. I, I did. I love calculus. <laughs> I, but, uh, I got but as far as algebra code. 2. I was like, all right, that's, that's where I Dude, can go. That's my, that's my limit. I did multivariate calculus, and, I, and that's when I was uh, doing my chemistry major, and then I took mm -hmm. linear algebra, and that's when I decided that I was not a math person. Anymore. Yeah. And so I think that whole, it's, it's one of those pattern things. Like, yeah. you see it in calculus. You see it spiritually. Like, it's over and over and over again. Yeah, it's a journey, right? man. It's and just cliches that sound. It, well, it is cliche, but you know what? Cliches are cliche for a reason, though, yeah. aren't they? they like, are. and some are pretty corny, whatever. But like, they're also true. Yeah, most of the time, like for you real. can't deny that. No, you can't deny that your life is a process. You can't deny that you evolve as a human being. You know, your personality, your beliefs, your understandings, your biases. Which you know, okay, going to school to be a teacher. They told us, hey, you have biases. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You have biases. Implicit. And you have, you have to learn how, you, first you have to identify them and learn how to overcome them. Yeah. Like, you have to do this if you're going to be a successful teacher. I remember being very uncomfortable with that idea. It's, it's hard. I'm like, I have biases? I love that. But uh, I accept I people. Like, no, you have biases. You just do. And there's nothing you can do about them. Right? It's kind of like, you know, like why we have stereotypes. Like, they're not meant to, they're, the way that I, Understand a stereotype is it's a shortcut yeah. for somebody to understand the person before they actually get to know them. Yes, but we still, you know, they can be limiting, right? Yeah, but yep. that's what our brains like to do. We need to we need to understand things that we don't quite understand. Yep, you know that's what that's why we have all these ideological myths to to explain the unexplainable. Yep. Why do we have these things? Why is this name this? Why do why do mm -hmm. these things happen in this world? Well, yeah, if we don't have a reason, then we come up with a myth or a story in order to explain. Yep. reason that's human nature it is we just have we have we have we have to understand things that's why the question why you know little kids why 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 why, why? they're why? not trying why? to be annoying no they're literally just being human yeah i still want to know why yes. all the time you know right like as an adult you know you it's don't know like, why why am i doing this and here's the thing um i've, I've been looking into email marketing because I've, I've i've thought about starting a business as a freelance copywriter. Cool. And one of the things that I, I there's a couple of courses I've bought and have gone to, and you know, like if, if you can give people a reason to buy your product, give them a why, they'll do it. Yeah. Um, now that why has to align with solving their problem, um, and you know, the best products solve problems. Sure. The best products go from one person to person and as people. Right. Um, the best marketers are the most personable and the most genuine. Yeah, they got that bedside yeah. manner, right? And like, like so that's why that's why you know, like you know, I've, I've, you gone are the days of the sleazy salesman who sells you a vacuum cleaner that breaks on the second day. People don't fall for that crap anymore, and we won't take. We're not going to take it. Like no, we we do not tolerate that anymore in no. the, in in marketing. Um, and if you want to be successful in business, you have to actually solve real problems with real solutions. Yeah. 
And if you don't, then you're the bane of humanity. You're yeah, the bane of society. Yeah, you're just like you look at find out event. You look at find out money eventually. Grubbers. And if you don't, and you, there's con men still exist. Okay, there's a huge spectrum of, of human beings, and there's still the the, the 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 sleazy side of things that exist, unfortunately. But I mean, you know, if you're if you're an honest person, then you will do what's right by other people. I agree. In everything you do. Um. I don't know how long much longer you want to go. If we have an hour and a half here. Um, I don't know. My wife hasn't called me, so you know, I, I'm not compelled to go anywhere at the moment. Although, I uh, probably would probably should head out of here at like 3, 3.15. But okay. other than that, like, I, sure, I'm, I'm cool with keep on. Yeah. Shit chat. I'm down, man. Real like, quick, I real quick. Like, and like... Touch and base with all this stuff. The it's idea good. behind this podcast is that I come with a title after we film, we film, record the episode. Yeah. Based on what we talked about today, what would the title for this episode be? We started talking about gun safety. Yeah, I know. And then we moved into a huge religious and philosophical discussion. For sure. Which I think you and I can pull off really well. I think yeah. part of what makes this podcast so great, you can have an impromptu conversation. Um, you have to have chemistry with the person. Absolutely. Make interesting. Absolutely. I think our chemistry happens to fall into the fact that we talk about religion a lot. Yeah. I haven't talked about my religion this way almost anyone before. Very freeing Dude, for me. Cool. So I like no, that. No, I love that. Um, no, anyway. It's important. But what do you think we would call this episode? Um, we had to. Gosh. You know what? It something that you really. said that really resonated with me. Mm. I don't know why it just popped in my head, but um, when you said faith and fear cannot coexist, yeah, I want to uh, like because that's so true, man. Like I think about that now, and it's like when you think about courage and gumption mm. and yeah. bravery, courage and gumption. It's not about not being afraid. It's about facing the fear in spite of. Yeah, and I think that. We can conduct our uh, we uh, we uh, we ha we conduct faith in our lives every single day. Yeah, every way, shape, and form. Mm -hmm. There's a there's an aspect of bravery to that. I think, you know, I don't know. I think faith and fear, like even even the first part of our conversation of gun safety. Yeah, I bought a gun stemmed from fear for my family. Right. Um, faith in myself. Bought a gun. I don't know. I. Obviously, not every. I think I think I'm gonna find that every episode is gonna be depending on how long the conversation is. Especially, the longer it is, the more hard it's gonna be to come up with a succinct title. But I think an ongoing theme. Yeah. Faith and fear. Faith and fear. And just have that. Be. Um, maybe or you know, I don't know. I'm trying to think about like how would you? Maybe you can make it so that like you could pose it as a question to the audience and say. Can faith and fear coexist in? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe some oh, way because then, like you know, the, then people would be like, "No, no, yeah. I'm gonna listen to this and I'm gonna prove them wrong." Right, and, that, and that's great too, right? Like, yeah. And then they'll just find they then they'll find that we agree with them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it works like a pretty they, chill, you know. dude. Like, like uh, the, the one thing in my life that I think the first time because. 
you know, I was talking to my friend about this actually recently. We were talking about just like culture and society and stuff like that. Yeah. Kind of blend, blended into religion as well a little bit, but like, um, when I first started going to school, I was, uh, I went to school up in Tacoma, Washington. That's where I started. And then I finished up in Utah. Dude, I, man, like when I look back, I used to be like such an SJW dude. I really did. Yeah. I, I used to be this person that was just like very at you, like at your throat, telling you that you were wrong, telling you you were a bigot or a homophobe or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 I found myself in that trope. And especially at that time, you know, 2013, that's when cancel culture was coming about. Oh, yeah. That's when Me Too was getting big. It was the, the when I first had been introduced the concept of gender fluidity where, you know, yeah. hey, you know what? I still am not in the complete understanding of what it really is and truly and completely, but that's not for me to understand really. It's for me to accept that other person yep. and to see them and let them do their own thing. You know, it, it, it's just like, I remember being up in, uh, and I was a freshman, maybe a sophomore at this time at Puget Sound, very far left. And I'm always socially left. But I've come to more of a moderate stance because I think mm -hmm. that I've just seen these pendulum swings in so many different directions. Right. That, like, I remember all these people that I was surrounded by touted themselves as being so open-minded. Yeah. But then they were there so would be closed one, off. There would be other like, ideas. Yeah, there'd be one. I remember Brett. Brett. He had he had finally expressed he was on the the, the loggers football team. He was like, and we were in D three school. We sucked. Yeah, but he was Republican, and once a lot of my friends figured out that he was Republican, they just, dude, it's like a witch hunt, man. It was, yeah. they just pounced, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. What about this whole open-minded thing? Are we not like understanding right now? Because yeah. if you're open-minded, you're open-minded to understanding and hearing his point of view, and not you know shitting all over him because yeah. of it. Because he comes from a different place that is entirely different than your own world. Yep. And that was the first point that I was like, I think I could be wrong about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And the more, the more that I go throughout my life being like, maybe I was a little wrong. Maybe I need to kind of like, maybe I need to update my, you know, I'm, yeah. maybe I need to throw this through a little bit of an update or something uh -huh. like that. Maybe I need to, you know, I, I need to get uh, a little bit more with it, you know, because like I said, and like you said, it's like, you know, you get to a certain point, you get the calculus by going through, you know, algebra one, algebra two, geometry, trigonometry, yep. pre-cal, all that stuff. You can't just go from simple rudimentary, you know, PEMDAS to calculus without, yeah. you know, doing the whole other stuff in order to understand, you know, is like, yep. so now like, it's like, that's the beautiful thing about this life for me is that. I love thinking that I can be wrong because then I can just change my opinion and then just yeah. kind of keep on going in that direction exactly. until something else changes. And then, hey, you know what? I'm going to, you know, think about it in another way, shape, and form, just like how you ask yourself about the whys and how you yeah. came up with your own mm -hmm. uh, wherewithal, not from a religion, but from you just asking why. Yeah. And, and, and who wants to have the burden of being right all the time anyway? Like, dude, I imagine? know, man. I like, know. You're always right. Like how, like for example, watching movies. Movies aren't fun. I hate you're predictable. Always movies. right. I hate predictable. Exactly. Movies. And it's just you can't live life like that. No. We could call it life as a process. That sounds a bit weird, but I process. feel like generally, yeah, or just 
Life is a process. I don't know. I'll workshop it. Yeah. Well, but we'll, you can text me ideas too. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want me to send you the recordings? Sure. Okay. I'll either, if I can text it to you, I will. It's pretty long. I might just download it and email, email it to it. you. Yeah. All good. Um, but then, I don't know when I'm going to launch the podcast. I just have to look into what it takes to get one set up. Cool. But I'm thinking of setting it up on iTunes like as a podcast. Okay. And I'm also tossed on the idea of also uploading it to a YouTube channel. Sounds good. So we have the podcast on iTunes and the YouTube channel on YouTube. Um, are you okay with your name being used? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Liam Connerly, great. Yeah, and, and and expect to be on this more because I love the conversations we have. Me too. I had this thought coming over just what I said earlier, like this to work, you have to have to make this conversation interesting. <laughs> you have to uh, have a certain amount of chemistry with the person. Yeah, I think we have. Pretty, I think we can, I can keep, like, I'm not done talking with you. No, me either. I feel like we could talk ever and ever and ever and ever. Dude, really? like, about a lot of stuff. And, like, I think oh, about yeah. it, like, I, I, like, even, like, Lord of the Rings, man. I oh, can, yeah, dude. I we go. have to have a nerd. Okay. <laughs> the, this podcast is going to talk about anything and everything. It's it's candid. There are two conversations, there are two definitions of candid. As etymologists, I think you'll know or appreciate this as well. I love it. As much as I do, as an English teacher, um, that the first definition is within the context of can I be candid with you? It means it's excruciatingly truthful and frank, right? Um, most candid conversation podcasts that exist right now fall under that first definition. Interesting. This candid, this is like candid photography. Yeah. And maybe I'll candid call camera. Ma- <laughs> candid camera. And maybe I will call the podcast Candid Camera. Unless already, unless it's already taken, like midnight oil, I have to look it up. But it's it's the idea that's impromptu. It's still truthful because it's real. Like it's it's a different. It's truthful, but it's a different kind of truth. So the word can't, words are important, right? Yes. So candid in one sense socially means we are just annoyingly truthful and frank, right? We're brutally honest. Then there's the other definition of candid, where this is an honest look at life, in the moment, no filters. Just the way things are. And that's what this podcast is. So we're going to, the topics are going to be determined on episode by episode basis. Awesome. And just whatever we end up talking about. Yeah. You and I happened the last couple of times we've talked, have talked a lot about faith and religion. Yeah, we have. And, you know, we know. Then Are you currently a practicing Catholic or? No, you no, know, I'm okay. just, yeah. I, I'm, I'm very so, much just chilling. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, and. I, I'm still a practicing member of my faith, but like you know, we, we have these we have these ideas that cross over. Yeah. That we can agree upon a lot of things despite being not only from different faiths, but even different stages in life with our faith. Right. right? Which is so interesting. It is. So I really think people are gonna love this kind of stuff. Anyway. Dude, I, I love it too. And also, um, you know, once you get it all set up, mm-hmm. I was wondering that I could put this I could do a little intro and I could put it on my podcast and then mm. I could link it and say yeah. like, this is like, you know, the, there's a lot of, once we get a name for it and everything yeah. like that, um, and then I can link you and then they can go to that if you wanted to do that so that yeah. we would cross. Sure. Uh, I mean, it would be, you know, I would just basically do an intro talking about like what we were, uh, what we were talking about and like, this is just a conversation. Um, there are going to be a lot more of these happening. Mm-hmm. A lot of my audience really likes it when, um, and the, the from from my, what I've learned, um, mm-hmm. 
is that they like it when I etymologize words, but they like it when I take the etymology of a word and then I expound on that word and I talk yeah. about the sort of social, like, you know, like one day I'll talk about the endocrine system and then I talk a lot about, you know, scientifically I talk about like, oh, yeah. I talk about hormones and, you know, neurohormones and everybody's talking about dopamine and serotonin and all these kinds of things and cortisol. And so like I do that and then I bring it back into our modern world and, uh -huh. um, my audience really likes it when I do that because sometimes they're like, listen, we like the etymology, but sometimes the etymology goes straight over our heads. So I know, I know. <laughs> Look at the rain. Just like cut man. buckets, man. Buckets. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we, we can wait until it kind of. Yeah. Comes back out. Um, yeah, so topics will be all over the place. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about nerd stuff with people. Um, I had this idea. That obviously, the point is that it's unscripted. That's the that's how it works, but I do have one idea. So like, I have for episode one is just what this or it's called about this podcast, and it's just going to be a conversation with me and my wife, which we had before, but the recording sucked. It was just my phone without the microphone. Yeah, we're gonna do it again. And what's great about this is we can do it again, and it'll still be a candid conversation. It'll still be impromptu. Right. Right. We can have we can, we can have a topic in we can even have a topic in mind sometimes. Yeah, and still just go with it. Yeah, it's just like you know. Yeah, it's just like it's impromptu. It. Yeah, we're, we're winging it. Mm -hmm. um, so, but the idea is like what this podcast is to me. It's a lot of different things. I love me. it though, dude. And that's what that's going to be about. Um, one of those things is a way to connect with my friends, um, because you know, it's just like I think this is going to be a really good way for me. Now I have to stay in touch with certain people, yeah. Because I'm going to be doing this thing. Sure. It's, it's a commitment. So, and you think I should be able to commit to people anyway, without something like this. But like, it's hard beyond my inner circle. When you're not right? physically present yeah. with the person, I hear you. Yeah. And like my best friend Jake, um, his wife, his wife, they're expecting their first baby, July. Actually. Oh, dude. They got married, um, and uh, last summer. I got married finally. They've been dating. Had been dating for about seven years before that. It was it was so a long exciting, time coming. Man. But so he he's like one of the few people besides him and my siblings. Um, maybe you now, if we if, even if this wasn't a thing, we're like one of the few people who I still regularly reach out to. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is like we actually have a business idea together. Yeah. Where we're going, we want to do a fantasy D and D tavern restaurant where you can also play D and D. Dude, that'd is, be so is, dope. Is, this is a very basic premise. It's a lot bigger than that. It's so much more than that. But that's, that's the basic idea. Um, and we came up, we want we both wanted to do this separately of each other. Got together for his wedding. He brought it up. I'm like, bro, I had the same idea. So like he's a person who like, you know, I can I can be connected with even, you know, he knows people in your life. You can go years, months without seeing them. You get back together and it's like you saw him yesterday. Big time. That's me and him. Yeah. Right? Um, Such a refreshing thing yeah. to have. And I think, you know, yeah. I feel like we'd have that. I mean, obviously, we sit down and talk very comfortably with each other, even after I hadn't seen you for a yeah, month man. or so. And it was always yeah. good, like, just like in the teacher's yeah. lounge when mm -hmm. we would hang out and just touch base. Exactly. I'll admit, I had some social anxieties at first. Cause, like, you started being someone I could, like, talk to at, at, at school. Yeah, as as a colleague, and like I'm weird when it comes to friendship, because like you know growing up, 
Um, I was pretty introverted. I had friends, yes, I did. As an adult, though, my friends, I'm very, I'm very quick to like people and to want to view around people. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like then other people aren't always the same that way. And I have a lot of social, once I establish a relationship, I feel pretty comfortable, confident in it, usually for the most part. Yeah. Um, but getting to that point, I'm always very nervous about like, oh, is, am I going to be reciprocated? Sure. No, I so hear that, like, dude. And like, I, could, I read into things. Like, if it was like an, if, if, if you look at me just off one day and I've been trying <laughs> to have a relationship with you, Sometimes I'm like, oh, what did, I, what did I do wrong? It's, uh, like, I can be that kind of person. With his face and his like, eyes I'm always back. in trouble. Why am I always in trouble? You usually have to realize it's not about me. Nah. You have to realize that. Man. It really isn't. It, You're right. Most of the time, it has nothing to do with you. Exactly. And, you, and the problem is, as people, like, we, we are ourselves and our perspectives. We think everybody's watching us, yeah. but, but really nobody not. cares. It's, it's freeing to understand that idea, but it's hard to get there. It really is. And and for me, who has some social anxiety still, you know, and I'm like, man, am I annoying? Do they even like me? Like all the time, you know? Dude, it's, but, it's this human condition to just be insecure. Yeah. And so much more nowadays with all the things that were thrown in front of our face. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like one of those things where it's like, it's like, I, how can I feel adequate when yeah. everybody else around me just seems to be doing so much better than me yeah, all the yeah. time? Yeah. Mm. It's a comparison to people joy. It is. It really this is. This little snippet could be like a, like a, like a, like a blurb. Yeah. We'd a couple of bloopers, yeah. About. Kind of thing. So I think most of the editing for these is going to be cutting out some of this meta stuff we're doing right now. Yeah. And then mostly closing silence gaps. Sounds good. Uh, which is fine because... Uh, this is almost two hours, and I edit my YouTube videos. They're two minutes long, and just cutting off the extra gaps in between is super tedious. Yeah, so, dude. I remember oh I used to make some YouTube videos, but I would Jeez. do it just like when I was biking. Yeah. yeah. That reminds me real quickly. When I was biking through Ireland, um, you, I... Hey, you've been to Ireland? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I want to go so bad. Anyway, we'll, we can talk about that later. Dude, it, it's, it was amazing. But I like, bet. Oh, gosh. One thing about Ireland, yeah, I biked along the Wild, wow. Wild Atlantic Way. The, that is so cool. Five years ago, month of July. Five years ago. But um, I, I came into a, oh, frick, I'm forgetting the name of the city. I think it was Kilkenny. But I was looking for hostels to stay at the time because I had been camping for so much. Yeah. Um, and I was drowning my thoughts. I just wanted to, like, shoot the crap with some people. Sure. Um, and I found a hostel that was joined... Uh, it was a hostel and it was a pub. Okay. The pub oh, heck yeah. Was uh, the Shire. Oh wow. And so you could go in there and it was decked out like very, yeah. very Lord of the Rings. And then okay. the column was serving me beer. Yeah. It was such a meme, man. It was so much fun. I got That's... in there. I was like, the, the reason why I'm staying at this hostel, you guys, I just want you to know, is because the pub is the Shire, and I gotta be here tonight. <laughs> I gotta be here. With... That's the idea of the taverns. We have characters. So the production side of the restaurant. <laughs> we have so characters, like fantasy characters, who go around and serve you. That's a whole big idea. Um, my friend, he's a manager at Applebee's. He's worked at Applebee's over a decade by now. Wow. And then, and I have some theater experience. Good experience, yeah. So he has a good grasp on managing a restaurant. I have a good grasp on production, entertainment. Um, whether it's in the form of Dungeons and Dragons. He has 
D&D experience, too. We both DM games all the time. Um, yeah, we, like, we're pooling our skills and passions together. Yeah. An idea. And I'm really excited for it to pan out. It sounds um, cool, dude. Yeah, I'm excited for it. It's, it is so cool. In my head, it's the coolest thing ever, obviously. Sick. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about that. But, yeah, I mean, um, I will send this recording to you. Yeah, dude. Um, just so you have it. And I'll be editing it and looking into what it's going to take to launch a podcast. I had the idea also that we could eventually set up a Patreon where we just upload the live, or we go live. Oh. And then our patrons can tune into the live, and they get the real thing in real time before we release the episode. Because that's, an, cause that's, cause that's a, like a exactly. some like screenwriter's guild that's, stuff. They get the, the movies exactly. before they actually get re- released in the film. Because that's an excellent, the people do that on Patreon all the time. It's an excellent tier bonus yeah. for an upper tier, really, for, for a podcast like this. Because, like, you know, it's sit and listen for a couple hours, but, like, they're going to be hour, hour and a half long episodes anyway. Um, so I, I had an idea we could do after a certain... I don't know when we would do a Patreon after a certain amount of followers. I don't know how it works, how do podcasts work on iTunes. Like, like it's iTunes, so, like, when do podcasts start making money through it? Like, I have no yeah. idea. So there's a lot of research I have to do before I launch it and make it official. And that come with a name and... At least come with album art, so it's on, so the podcast shows up, and there's at least that, right? With the right. Title and everything. Um. So, yeah. Thanks cool, for joining me today, dude. Thank you for Expect having me. To be a regular that on the show sounds good to me, I man. Think I'd love to do it. I'd love to have you here as much as possible. Definitely. Um, and my friend Jake is another guy who might be here on the podcast. And I don't know. Maybe one day we can do like if I have like five regulars. Maybe one day we can just have like a council. That would be episode. sick, man. Just like a, just like everyone there, you just talk. We just have a big old session, dude. For real though, like I feel like different ideas, dude. I feel like so crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Just a little bit like, hey, we're gonna get together and just talk about things. Just, yeah, you get around around. Oh man. And talk. So all right, man. Well, I'm gonna pause the recording then. Do it. All right. Thank you guys again for being with me. And if you actually made it this far, uh, you're a trooper and you get a gold star from me and you get a monument and congratulations because you're rocking awesome. And I appreciate your support more than you ever will know. Um, with that being said, I hope you guys, guys got something from it. I hope you had a fun time listening to a little bit of the banter at the very end. Us just kind of having a little bit of a blooper sesh. Um, and we're going to be having more of these because, uh, and we're going to go into all different types. We're going to get into rants like we had talked about. We're going to, we're just going to do the gamut because, uh, you know, he, like he said, um, he's made all these revelations just about in like the past like month, month and a half, two months, you know? Um, hey, like I said, we're all growing up. We're all realizing things. We're all coming to fruition with uh, new epiphanies, epi meaning upon and phanon means to reveal uh, the, the revealing upon essentially the showing of upon. It's kind of like, Oh, it, it, it comes upon happenstance, essentially that epiphany finally. And sometimes it takes a while. It's like I said, you know, it's not about like, you can't just go from PEMDAS all the way to calculus. You got to do the iterations. You got to go through the steps in order to get to where you need to be. You can't just go from zero to 9,000. All right. It's over not those hard. But for real. 
you can't. And if you try to, you're going to fall, you're going to burn out, you're going to be exhausted, and you're probably going to prove to yourself that, well, you're going to ruin your confidence because you're going to tackle something that you wanted to, but then you're just not capable. You don't have the faculties, you don't have the tools in your tool shed in order to make that happen. So with that being said, thank you guys. And at the end of the day, remember, before we always leave, before you get up from your chair or wherever you're sitting or wherever you're standing or if you're about to sit or if you're about to lay down or if you're laying down and about to get up, isn't it amazing that we have the ability to do so? To squat down, to get back up, to move, to move one step to uh, one foot in front of the other. Do it. Think about it. Think about the other people that don't have the ability to do it. What about quadriplegics? Quad, four, pelagia, meaning paralyzed. Paraplegia, para means beside or alongside. Pelagia, meaning paralyzed. Paraplegic, the alongside paralyzing, aka your parallel legs that are alongside one another. If you're paraplegic, your legs don't work. If you're quadriplegic, your quad, your four extremities don't work. Okay? So consider that. Because I don't think that we think about that kind of stuff a lot. And imagine if you woke up one day and you can move your legs. There's an aspect of faith in waking up and the fact that you were going to roll out of bed and you're going to catch yourself with both feet uh, and you're going to stand up. What if that didn't happen? You don't think about that because you have faith in the fact that, you know, faith is almost habitual. You expect these things to happen and to occur. Faith becomes expectation, and sometimes expectation leaves us not cherishing and not being self-aware to the things that we ought to be more aware of. Thanks again, everybody, and until next time, tempus est discedere.